0: All right, we're going to do the Mount Rushmore of slasher icons, right? And we already did part one, right? We did Friday the 13th, uh, but you got to say, but Freddie's got to be on the the Mount Rushmore.
1: I mean, Freddie I, is definitely dead center on there.
0: Right? so then He's yeah, either um,
1: Washington or Lincoln, and Jason yeah, <laughs> he, is either Washington or Lincoln.
0: He's on there, and this could be a great debate. You know, they always talk about this in wrestling. Sorry, Terror Train's really loud right now. They always talk about this, who's going to be your, you know, your Mount Rushmore of of professional wrestling. And I think it's way harder in wrestling. But for horror films, it's going to be interesting because you're going to, your Mount Rushmore of slashers is going to have Jason. It's going to have Freddy Krueger. It's going to have Michael Myers. Now, this is where the debate is going to be. Who would be number four?
1: Probably like a tie between Hellraiser and Ash.
0: But what about Leatherface?
1: Oh, Leatherface! I forget about Leatherface.
0: No, and then you also have—I mean, you could maybe—could you make an argument that Chucky should be up there? I mean, that was late '80s. I'd I say know. that as as—and you better choose wisely, because look who's behind me.
1: How many faces <laughs> are on Mount Rushmore? Five, four. four. Four, yeah. So Jason, Freddie, Michael Myers, and then that last spot is up for grabs.
0: Yeah, I think that's – I mean, can you, can you have a rotation? Because I think that's really tough. Yeah. I think when you would have asked me uh, when I was younger, I may have probably leaned towards Leatherface as that fourth one, which, I, which is ironic because technically Leatherface was first.
1: Yeah. First, but he, and he was
0: he, the one based on an actual serial killer, too, right? Right.
1: He didn't have much. Their franchise didn't do that well, though.
0: Yeah, I think it could be argued that he was he was the fourth, but there's no way there's undisputed number one and number two. I think the the argument here is who would be considered number one: Freddy versus Jason, and they even try to solve that. Via Fisticuffs in 2003 with Ronnie Hughes, Freddy versus Jason. Yeah. Uh, And they left that a little bit disputed. Although I I admit I was really hoping they pulled off that gimmick that depending on what theater you went to, you got a different winner. I know we talked about this in our Friday the 13th show. Yeah. That would have been cool. Like, well, which which version did you go? Because I would have went back twice until I saw both endings.
1: Yeah. Put a couple like, endings. Yeah, go three just, endings. We'll go see them all. Oh, I would
0: I would have loved the third ending. You know, Clue did that, right? Didn't Clue do that? Like they but did. After, I don't
1: know how well it worked. I never like when it came to cable, it just had all the endings, right? So I don't
0: Yeah, they just they just balled it in there. Now I'm gonna go home and sleep with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I think of when I think of Clue. I feel like the movie
1: <laughs> wouldn't have been as cool with just one ending. I don't know. Yeah. To me, the three endings make it. We're going on a serious tangent. We're supposed to talk about Nightmare on Elm Street and talk about clue. Oh. No. But like uh I don't know oh, that it, I don't know that it works with just one ending. That doesn't make any sense to me. I feel like the movie oh, because, had to have those alternate endings.
0: Right, yeah. Especially if that's how it was based on the game. Every time yeah. it was gonna be something different. So I really would have liked that to see that in uh Freddy versus Jason. But yeah, we went on a little bit of a tangent, but let's see. So we
1: No, okay. So we, like we just see. jump right into it. This is exactly where it needs to go next. Part two comes out. You see Nightmare on Elm Street was like, cause I was like pretty young and my mom knew about it and she was like, Oh, we got to see this movie because it's like, she was always like knew what the hip movie was when she was young. So like, Oh, we got to see Nightmare on Elm Street and like, you know, do the thing, whatever d- d- make a dub and then watch it later. And then like, uh, you know, so I watch it and it's just like, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's like one of those ones you watch over and over. Part two comes out and you're like, What? it's like what, yeah, what sharp
0: sharp turn
1: what happened it's kind of like that's one of those instances where you can like if like somebody asks ever asks you is like what does a director do i'll show you this is one director this is another director you get it you see what happens yeah um it just I, it was it was bad well <laughs> there's no other word. yeah
0: there's some well here's some right off the top of my head and i'm sure it could be debated You know, because I think Freddy's Revenge uh, Part 2 found an audience and they found a sub story in there. But Nightmare on Elm Street, the OG, 1984, had the benefit of being directed and written by Wes Craven. And then less than a year later, they turned around Part 2 with a completely different director and a completely different writer who was not the
1: director. Cause they were in a hurry to get it made, then they didn't want to wait for Wes Craven. Here's a piece it's of just, trivia about Wes Craven. I don't know if you knew this. He was raised like strictly Baptist, and he didn't even see a movie till he was twenty.
0: What? Oh, I did not know that. That's bananas. That's a fact. And he, and then just like a, just like a virgin. After finally getting some, he just burst onto the screen and just made gold. And it's funny because his <laughs>
1: first movies are like super disturbing, and I heard he directed pornos too. Oh, yeah. Before he was Wes Craven, because that was just kind of a thing you did. Instead of, you know, like uh, working on indie films, he worked on pornos.
0: Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of crossover between uh, like soft porn and, and horror movies. But the first, you know, going back to the, the first Nightmare in Elm Street, you know, when when you hold it, you know, right next to Friday the 13th as the original. One of the big things that I think won it over was they both had an iconic memorable kill and then later on it ended up they were killing a future hollywood megastar you know friday 13th everybody remembered you know kevin bacon getting the spear through the neck on the bed well everybody remembers johnny depp i remember people being so excited about the kill of the in the water bed and i didn't really understand it because i'm like wait how did he die because the, the bed just kind of opened up, and then all of a sudden, like, all the blood just went to the ceiling. But I just remember everybody was just like, that is, like, so rock and roll. Like, oh, man, that was so
1: cool. Did you see when that guy I died mean, on the waterbed? It's pretty unique because, I mean, if you think about it, like... um He's pulled into the waterbed, which is full of liquid. And then I guess, you know, you assume he's getting cut open. So his liquid is mixing with the waterbed liquid and shooting onto the ceiling. I mean, it's, it's gnarly, you know what I mean? And it's, it, I don't know that movie. The thing is one of the big differences between nightmare on Elm street and Friday the 13th is I think Friday the 13th, they got better in quality in one through four. Whereas nightmare on Elm street was kind of all over the, the first one was like a masterpiece The second one was a complete clusterfuck. The third one is a sequel to a masterpiece and is also a masterpiece.
0: Yeah, for different reasons, I agree. Yeah,
1: and part four is pretty good, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas Friday the 13th, you've got the first one. Well, I guess it's beloved, but I feel like it's weak. I think it's one of the weaker ones. I feel like that one is one of my least favorite to watch, part one. Part one? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well part 1 I think they were really were like legitimately trying to you know going for trying to be terrifying. Yeah. And and then slowly you know basically freddie's you know when Freddy started like leaking into the one liners I feel like they were becoming more aware and they definitely became fodder later on for you know Scream, you know Wes Craven's other one of just like you know okay people are quite aware of what we're doing here. So they almost like they were the reason for that. Cause Freddie just like, Oh, I want to hear Freddie say, welcome to prime time, bitch. And then drop a TV, you know, in the head. Uh, and you're talking about dream warriors. You know, if we jump ahead to three nightmare on Elm street, three dream warriors is what I would consider their Rocky three. That all of a sudden it just had like this very late, 80s excitement feel to it you know of just like you know and then had the, the memorable dream warrior song yeah right i don't know it just felt like that it just felt like they're, they're rocky three and then you had I mean, somebody that you had someone. this is when they introduced a, basically a new foe right because before that they they brought heather Langenkamp, who was not in the second one back her the house was the problem and freddie's revenge i mean the second one had
1: no problem. connection to the other films other than freddie so
0: Yeah. But, you know, then you had Patricia Arquette that actually had like some kind of mystical powers, you know, that made her able to compete with Freddie, which Friday 13th tried later. Then they brought back Heather Langenkamp and then Larry Fishburne. Larry Fishburne was in it. He's
1: in there as the orderly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's just like so I, I feel like that was definitely there. They're rocky 3.
1: I mean, when you say what, Rocky 3, you mean just because there's a huge shift in 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 the tone or whatever? Yeah.
0: Well, Cuz
1: yeah. I to me, like I feel like uh, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Nightmare, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 um excluded from from the canon. I think Dream Wars is a great sequel to the first movie. And to me, yeah. it's like Terminator Terminator 1 to Terminator 2.
0: Oh, agree. Or alien to aliens, right? But yeah, that, just that would massive, be another comparison. Just a massive
1: upgrade in using the premise and turning it into a bigger, more action centric premise. You know?
0: Yeah, I t- yeah, I totally agree with that. They could have just like Freddy's Revenge could have been like some kind of spinoff. You know? Maybe that's why they took a year off between Freddy's Revenge and Dream Warriors. They're like, whoa, okay. Because I noticed the screenwriters on three, they had West. Craven and then they had Frank Darabont on there too.
1: Yeah, like Wes, Craven. Wes Craven wrote like the original pitch or whatever. And I think Frank Darabont was one of the rewrite guys. But I mean, yeah, some huge talent working on that movie. Yeah. And the director is like Chuck Russell. He directed The Mask and he's directed all kinds of other stuff.
0: But why now? And then this is for me, this is when there's a, there's a couple of them that start to get a little blurry for me. And I feel like the only thing I remember about part four that's memorable is, you know, a uh, character played by Patricia Arquette was like suddenly after being such like a badass and like, oh, my God, this girl can roll with them. She like took her powers and tried to throw her powers to somebody else. Is like You'll need I mean? my powers, you know. Yeah. And I was like, wait, what?
1: <laughs> I think four. Four was sort of a soft reboot because Patricia Arquette didn't come back. But they had Rennie Harlan, who directed Die Hard 2 and Cliffhanger, so he made a super stylish, awesome-looking horror movie, which worked. And then five five is what? The Dream... Dream Child. Dream Child, and then six is...
0: Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, okay, I think so, that's that, one. Okay, so, that brings us into the 90s. So I feel like
1: four and five are sort of a two-parter kind of a yep. sequence. But then when you get to Freddy's Dead, that's a whole other thing. That's yeah, and I feel like that's break. when they tried. That was for 3D, right? The end was in 3D?
0: Yeah, then when they actually, when uh, when uh, another legend in there, Yafet Kodo, you know, he actually, when they start to go in there, uh, into the dream. It was like, okay, now this is going to be the 3D. But they, they followed a lot of the steps of, you know, Friday the 13th, where just like, okay, we're just going to write this off in a way. I think that's the gimmick that they're just like, okay, let's, let's kill this character off. And that'll get people to say, you have to go see it. Cause this character is going away. And it was also memorable for Johnny Depp, who became a star by then, you know, re- reappearing and making an appearance and getting killed. Uh, there as well. But yeah, again, in that's which another
1: Freddie's dead
0: yeah he made he had a cameo
1: oh I didn't realize I don't remember that
0: yeah he, Wait, was, he did one he did one of those this is your brain this is your drug you know this is your drugs this is your brain on drugs when the fry eggs he did like a spoof on that like he was in the TV making the commercial and then Freddie killed him in the commercial like uh, he hit him in a
1: right. frying pan or something so I guess what I'm saying is you've got you've got one part one you've got part two which is an almost like a whatever. Uh, mcu multiverse alternate universe Eddie's revenge yeah. you've got three which is a sequel to one and then you've got four which is a soft reboot and then five which is a sequel to the soft reboot then you've got six where you're back into something else another reality I feel like yeah right and yep. then you come to New Nightmare the next one and that to me feels like part three of the West Craven version of nightmare on Elm Street his is the first one Dream Warriors and New Nightmare yeah. that's his trilogy
0: you're right that's a good call I yeah. never realized that that was because yeah that was a complete departure they tried to be very meta within Wes Craven's New Nightmare like almost like let's find a way for Freddy to come into like actual reality so that was very meta but yeah that was Wes Craven as well and written and directed by yeah so, and uh, that felt very more like we're going to get away from the, the silly one-liners and we're going to get more into like really trying to scare you. you so know? if you're so someone
1: to, who wants to get it and never seen Nightmare on Elm Street, I, I recommend you watch 1, 3, and 7 as first, and then go back and watch the subsequent ones in whatever order you want.
0: That, that's, that's, that's a good way to do it because you, you have John Saxon as himself you know, Heather Langenkamp as herself, Robert England as himself, and the entity, you know, slash Freddy Krueger. So they almost like, it was, yeah, again, I just remember it being very meta.
1: Folks weren't ready for it. I think that was before Scream. So sort of the meta horror movie concept hadn't really broken through yet.
0: Yeah, no, it wasn't there. It was just they missed it. You know, Scream was 1998 and this was 94, yeah. I'm Before busy. we jump to the next one, because there's two more after that, we want to approach. I want to jump back to part two, and I want to talk a little bit about the 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 ground movement of what this what people actually think that they the this film was, and it was basically a lot of people thought it went in a homoerotic subtext that was kind of built in there. What what? Where did that even... I'm trying to even... I don't know where that came from. What do you mean? But, for, yeah, film... Co- it's like... So I'm just going off its wiki page here. Film commentators have often remarked the film's perceived homoerotic theme claiming its subtext suggests Jesse is a repressed... Yeah, part two.
1: Okay, so if you want to know the whole story, watch Scream Queens on Shudder. But basically, okay. the whole thing is it was written... Like, the the, the screenwriter came out and said... And admitted he wrote it as a repressed, uh, sexuality sort of storyline, right? So when you the thing about it is is that that was actually scripted in there. When you watch it, and and you see some of the scenes, you realize that there is th- th- that's definitely implied. Like the the way everyone interacts. There's a there's a there's like a S and M scene where the teacher is whipping the student, and he's all in leather pants and stuff like that. Um. And then what happened was the guy who plays Jesse read the script and he was like, he got it. And it just so happened that he was also hiding his sexuality and not, not wanting anybody to know that he was actually gay. And he was having to play that part.
0: Holy cow. And so, yeah, I mean, maybe that was just meant to be.
1: Watch the documentary on Shudder. It, you, you, you'll, you'll see it in a whole different light. It's, it's funny. You it was sort of almost Shudder. just like... uh. uh a bunch of things lining up. Everybody sort of, it all just kind of fell in line and it was just weird clusterfuck of a movie.
0: Oh man. Yeah. Cause I think at the time of its release, one publication referred to it as the gayest horror film ever made, which I, and then another one, uh, David Chaskin had a list on crack.com, which lists the five most unintentionally gay horror movies. And this one was number one. And I remember, uh, Seeing this as you know, and maybe it was just because I was a kid; I had no idea. I was just, I was just there for the Freddie, you know. So yeah. I, I didn't see it. But now, I would be really interested now going back and watching it and just seeing, you know, because at the time there was a lot, especially there was a lot of, you know, in Hollywood, right? That like you couldn't be as out as you can now. So th- this was the way of just like you know. I feel like fiction somehow finds a way to start basically massaging people's brains to accept things that they weren't willing to accept before, whether it's technology or aliens. Maybe this is that as well, right? That it's just like, hey, it's going to be okay. This is normal, and it's not going to hurt anybody, so just relax.
1: Yeah, and it's also a uh, a factor of, you know, they had only made one Nightmare on Elm Street. They made the first one. It was a hit. The creator, they didn't bring him back. So you got this concept and now you bring in another foreign person into like, hey, can you make another one of these for us? Sure. Well, I'm going to add my spin. This is what I think this actually, this is what I think what Freddy actually is. This is, this is new. This is nightmares. And he could like puts that spin on it. Then after that, after that is when we actually get Freddy established as a, you know, a genre sort of recurring character. Yeah, right. well, yeah, you're absolutely nobody right. Nobody remembers any. Well, I guess some folks, do people remember you, the, Freddy's Dead? I don't even know. Oh, wait, no, oh, not no, Freddy's I, I Dead. Feel, uh, the second one. Was it Freddy's but, Revenge?
0: Oh, uh, no. I mean, again, I think just in context, or if you saw this, I didn't realize it was Scream, comma, Queen, explanation point, My Nightmare on Elm Street. Which is
1: the documentary on Shutter? Yes, that, watch that. You can, that's something you can watch while you're at work. <laughs> I think that's the
0: only thing pe- oh, that people remember about it is just like there's this whole undertone that kind of because it's basically a cult, a cult movie right now, and it just happens to be for for that community ha- is what made it a cult film. So, and the poster kind of had that feel too, right? And, you know, the poster was definitely the man of your dreams is back, and then it's got the guy who's hugging the girl in the nightgown, but he's actually looking away, you know, kind of like that meme. <laughs> where
1: yeah. It's just like,
0: oh man, I was like, okay. And then it's just, I, it, inexplicably, inex, inexplicably as uh looks like an Eagle with lightning bolts. So that's a cool, uh, there was a, the artwork on these posters were always good. I mean, but artwork back then was just fantastic to just, your major imagination go so wild i mean and and it's not just horror don't tell me you didn't go see national land vacation just because you had that cool chevy chase poster the poster was I mean. awesome yeah so that was one of the reasons to do it
1: Made it look epic you thought it was something else <laughs> exactly so
0: clark griswold and he ended up clark, clark griswold all right so we jumped ahead so we covered the the core and then i like i like your suggestion of, of I, we can almost call this like you know how the star wars has the machete cut you know your, the mario trilogy you know of the west craven trilogy you did a machete cut and said nightmare in elm street nightmare in elm street three and then west craven's new nightmare is the trilogy built within this franchise yes, uh, but that's, then that's because now it. we make the jump you know because that new nightmare was 1994 they took a break screen came out Blair Witch came out and now it kind of changed everything so you, you they were going to go back to the well, but how do you go back to the whale well? so the first time they the way they decided to go back to the well was to do a versus movie and I remember how psyched I was for this so 2003 they got Ryan Ronnie Ronnie you right Ronnie you Ronnie Yu, yeah, so, I mean, he was Bride of Chucky, you know, which was very well-received in 1998, you know, and that kind of its own different, you know, we can go over that that series as well because the uh, Chucky series is coming out. But anyway, yeah, Freddie versus Jason, I remember being how excited were you for this? I was so psyched for this.
1: I was psyched, and I was way into Hong Kong cinema at the time, so I thought Ronnie Yu was going to be a super cool choice. Um, I, I I was I was hyped. I mean, it was like something that you just talked about. Wouldn't it be cool if it happened? Kind of a thing that ended up happening. You know? Yeah, it was basically they, on the par of like, uh, Avengers. <laughs> you was, know what I mean? It's Avengers oh, yeah. level team up.
0: It was, yeah, no, it, it absolutely was to see these two on the same screen and they set this up in uh, I did thirteenth part nine, right? They set this fight up when. Jason got pulled his mask Jason goes to hell, right? He got pulled into this. So, and then Freddie pulled his mask through. So, uh, yeah, I, I did, I did really like this and I, but I wanted to like it a lot more. Yeah. (laughs) I wanted to like it a lot more, but I still did like it. And I remember all I, the biggest thing I remember about it too was the box office was like banging on weekend one. And then weekend two, it just like, it just like fell off a cliff. You know, it's still made, you know, over hundred and sixteen million worldwide. So it is actually the highest grossing film in the Friday the thirteenth series and the second highest grossing film still, in the nightmare.
1: Not big series. enough a pop for the for the combo. It's basically Superman versus Batman level sort of like let down. It was just I, I think Ronnie U is the wrong director, probably um I think I, I don't know. I, I, there had to have been hundreds of scripts out there for that movie. They just I feel like they could have done anything else, you know. Yeah. I it was too driven by the, the 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 kid characters. We wanted to see the main like, you know, it should have been Jason as the babyface and Freddy as the heel, straight up, and don't confuse it, you know. Yeah, and everybody yeah, who were... gets in the way gets killed.
0: Yeah, and I was totally okay with and that they started off that Freddie was trying to manipulate him and then it turned and then he had the face turn and he found a way to you know control Jason I was cool with all that it just like a, yeah they did focus a lot on uh you know the destiny child character <laughs> you know she was the, the non- beyonce destiny child character wasn't it uh there was just a lot of stuff that you know I don't know but it had some great. To me, it had some great lines. The issue I had, I loved Jason X so much. I loved it so much. And I don't know if that was because I was a mark for Quake. And that was basically what would happen if Jason Voorhees was a playable character in Quake. And that's why I, and so I just remember some like just holding my stomach with laughter. I'm like I wasn't scared. Obviously, at this point, they're not horror movies anymore. Like you said, they're almost like <clears throat> Avengers on there, but I just remember popping. So one of the lines that just got me was basically modern day kids running into Jason in 2003 in a cornfield. And they're like, what is going on? And the guy is just like, I don't know, man, but that hockey goalie was pissed. Yeah, They had <laughs> one like, dude what? in there
1: who was just doing a J impression. The Jay from Jane. Yeah. Bob. He
0: was just totally, uh, totally, totally, and it had a it did have a memorable kill that that bed folding with the reverse body snap that was yeah. pretty that was pretty memorable but yeah it it should have been way better
1: i tell you what here's a quick if this is how you should watch friday the 13th movies in my opinion okay any of the first 3 then 4 then 6 and 7 and then just watch the trailer for 8
0: <laughs> the, yeah, that's all you got to do is watch the trailer and then the
1: just last. stop there that's actually just stop there
0: if we're going to jump back i don't know if you want to jump back because we left off one big one what's the big in one the nightmare not in the nightmare and elm three series what is it i don't even want to talk about it is but it I've the reboot stopped. it's the reboot left that yeah. one off but it's technically it's 2010 i mean this is the first time that they they had Jackie Earl Haley, man. Number three, Kelly Lee. How yeah. can you, I mean, the guy was great as Rorschach. I was just like, so when they announced him, they're like, okay, I think that's worth giving a shot. Cause I mean, he would be such a good, but this thing was just, it made, it made money. And it was actually the highest grossing film in the entire franchise. Really? Now, granted, I don't know if that accounts for inflation, but it's 63 million at the domestic and 117 million worldwide. There's a lot wrong with I, that movie, I think. What's that?
1: I think there's a lot wrong with that movie.
0: Didn't work for anybody. It,
1: it didn't really work at all. And um, Jack Earl, Jackie Earl Haley has like these real, realistic looking burn victim scars, not a stylized burned face. And uh, they sort of do they redo some of the the murders from the first movie I don't is there a Nancy in it
0: yeah, Nancy's in it, and Nancy's
1: yep she's in the thing. yeah, it was just a bad it was just a bad idea. They just tried to remake the exact same the first movie again. that's a terrible idea what oh yeah, because they talked
0: and they got they got into actual real sleep stuff like with that being in a hypnagogic state and they had microsleeps, and I think they even addressed uh sleeplessness you know, some really scary, you know, stuff real in real life. If you ever had any of those experiences, it's terrifying. Yeah. But yeah, they had Rooney Mara, you know, she's pretty big name actress actually played Nancy and they had Clancy Brown. So that, I guess he was the uh, replacement for the uh, John Saxon. So they went for one legacy to the other.
1: Yeah. But the movie just, it feels dead inside when you feels like Michael Bay made it It (laughs) well I mean it just feels empty right like nothing's going on
0: the weird thing that I had a lot of trouble with and it's a pretty incredible and and it's I guess it's really telling for Robert Englund because I mean like I said Jackie Early I mean he's he's a legend he's a great actor I loved him as Rorschach I mean and he was on a little bit of a role coming back like you said he had the real
1: realistic burn face the realistic
0: say and so like I feel like for whatever reason his performance had trouble coming through. And how do you replace Robert England when Robert England is still pretty much active?
1: Yeah, and you know, you you're giving the actor no benefit by putting this burned face that doesn't move on him. It's like you're watching a, 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 a you know, donate donate to these burn victims video.
0: Yeah, so it did for it was weird that it actually it, it made a lot of money but it was not well received and i think it really people really rebelled against it and we haven't seen freddy since so what's what's the future what's the future of freddy i mean we see him all the time at at comic cons right still out there being active
1: yeah possible i don't know it's going to take it's going to take uh, a creative sort of uh, some some a big creative type somebody smart somebody that can actually take it and put some kind of new spin on it because you can't do Freddy the same way you can't do Freddy in the hat with the red and green sweater and ever again you have to just you have to change it you know yeah I agree you have to you can do the you can do the the the, the glove but every everything's got to be different and you've got to make that scary somehow like maybe Freddy lives in your phone
0: wow. I guess that's a reason to keep an eye on the Chucky series, which actually comes out and is going to be on Sci-Fi in USA because that's because everything that's like long form telling that becomes a series has more success than a film. And, and the last bit of news that we had after the film rights reverted back to Wes Craven's estate in 2019, uh, they were taking pitches uh, how to resurrect Freddy, and
1: one of them was as a series on HBO Max. They would probably lean into more to just the kills. And the the extended dream sequences, and the history and the lore, you know.
0: Yeah, because I mean that's a that's a pretty dark, a dark part of it, and I,
1: I just don't know how people would address it. But. They could leave it out and nobody would care. They could Definitely. just say, they could just say Freddie killed a kid or something.
0: Yeah, and I I feel like they they started leaning a little bit more into that into the film, and is and that was twenty ten. But you think that's why that film didn't work. It's just like they, they got a little bit more into what he was, what, he, what his crimes actually were. Yeah. You know, because in a way that, not that he wasn't a heel in, in the, the series, but he was, the, the parents were somewhat of heels too for, for hiding it, you know, and not, you know, they took justice into their own hands, but they also were, were hiding it. So that kind of like away from it and it, it spread the heat out a little bit.
1: So, I mean, i got to be honest. My pitch, here's my pitch. Hollywood, if you're out there, you want to reboot Freddy, take uh, that IP, give it to, um, I don't know his name, the guy who did Hereditary and Midsommar, and let him take a swing at it. Because he, yeah. he can handle disturbing material really well and sort of not rub it in your face, but de- definitely show you the, the horror of it. Just grab and recenter and reboot the horror of someone killing you in your dreams and you're afraid to sleep. Someone needs to capture that sort of insomnia of it, you know, the 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 not being able to tell when you're awake and when you're asleep because you're falling in and out of it because you're fighting it all the time. It needs, yeah, it, needs, I, it needs somebody that can take that concept and make it serious again. Make well, there's a
0: terrifying... There's a terrifying documentary out there that's real. And I've, I've had sleep paralysis. It's, it's a terrifying feeling. And there's a documentary out there that actually explains yeah. what it's happening. And it's terrifying. And if they can somehow capture that, I think it would do really well. Because, look, there's money to be made. I, I guess this is a good way to end this because, well, I actually found an interesting fact on a factoid because it was just like, well, compare it to other basically – horror series let's just compare it right out to the box office so where would you think nightmare on elm street rates in all the horror series that we talked about like what's the highest grossing do you think nightmare on elm street's the highest grossing
1: no it'd have to be scream
0: screams on the list okay so yeah this one threw me off so nightmare on elm street is actually the third highest grossing horror series ever uh-huh. Friday the 13th had 671 million Nightmare on Elm Street five hundred eighty three million, and then Halloween is six hundred twenty million. I thought it did. Friday the Thirteenth is one, but they had more films. But then Hannibal Lecter.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, those because, movies did well. Yeah,
0: and then Saw. because the
1: Friday the Thirteenth movies were all low budget independent films that Paramount I, would distribute.
0: Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. So they made the money, but then it had Hannibal Lecter, Saw, then Scream, Psycho. Then Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and then Child's Play. Okay. <laughs>